Good morning. My name is Micah. Welcome to Northfield Christian Fellowship. Today's topic, I hit on this a couple years ago. So if some of you thinking, this guy's recycling sermons. Yeah, it's come to that. <laughs> no, it actually hasn't. I, back when I touched on it a couple years ago, I thought I would like to focus on this topic for an entire sermon. So today we'll be expanding on it. If it sound like, I thought I heard that before, then there's my excuse as to why. But let's pray before we begin. Father, who am I, who are we, that you would create us in your image? As we look at what it means to be created in your image, as we consider your son who made us in his image and yet took our image, Father, help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. I want to look at just two verses today as we discuss our topic. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1, we'll look at verses 26 and 27 there in a minute. But while you're turning there, let me ask you, what is it about a newborn baby that makes us say, that is beautiful? I mean, a baby that has just come out of the womb, it needs a bath. It's discolored. But yet we look at it and we say, it's beautiful. Our whole praying over this last week for the Repke family I cannot imagine holding your newborn twins, one alive, one no longer alive. But what I can envision is that Anne and John Paul, they looked at both Tirza and Kezia, and they saw that they were both beautiful. Why are babies so beautiful? Because a baby is not merely a cute new life form. It's a child with two hands, two feet, two, two legs, two eyes, two ears. And this child has been brought forth in the image of its two parents. A child might have his mother's eyes. It might have his father's mouth. I look at all three of my kids and I think, I'm really thankful they bear the image of their mother. Because Susanna's prettier than I am. Not by much, but, but she is. <laughs> I'm just really thankful that my kids inherited Suzanne's high cheekbones instead of my high forehead. Children bear the image of their parents. When I look at Aaliyah Porritt, I see the image of Aaliyah's mother. When I look at Warren Stuber, I see the image of Travis. Warren's father. Children bear the image of their parents. But that's not the only image that children bear. Children also bear the image of God, their creator. Look with me in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, on the sixth day of creation, after God had finished creating everything else that exists... We read this, then God said, let us make man in our image, our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. The reason we look at a newborn baby and honestly say, it's beautiful, is because that child was not just created in the image of its parents. That child was created in the image of God himself. And so were you. Every single human being who has ever the earth was created in the image of God. The Latin term for this biblical truth is amago dei. Amago means image. Dei means God. It's where we get the word deity from. Amago dei is what makes you beautiful. Because our wonderful, powerful, holy, flawless God, the creator of the universe, made you in his image. Think of the magnificence of God's creation. He created the heavens and the earth, the legions of majestic angels, the hundreds of galaxies, each one of those with hundreds of billions of stars, many of these stars with planets orbiting around them. Think about this very single planet in which we live. Of all of the planets in the universe, not our solar system, but the universe, the septillion planets, that's a trillion, trillion planets. Of all of those planets, God created our earth to be the perfect distance from its star, the sun, in order to sustain life. He filled the earth with nearly nine million different species of living creatures, from microbes to dinosaurs. The most complex species in terms of intelligence and ability are mammals. And of the 5,000 different types of mammals, the most complex mammal that God created is you. Now, ladies, I'm going to get sexist here. I don't mean to brag, but us men, we know this. We do. It's true. For all of our lives, men have looked at women and we've said, that is one complex living being. (laughs) So I'm sorry, us men have a leg up on you on this one. Because you poor women have been largely unaware of this complex because of the fact that you've been forced to look at us men all your life and say, that is one simple living being. But nevertheless, the human being is indeed the most sophisticated, intelligent, creative, living being on the planet. Of all of God's creation, he didn't make the galaxies in his image. He didn't make the mountains in his image. He didn't make the monkeys in his image. He didn't make man's best friend in his image. He made man and woman in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male, he created them. Amago Dei. The Bible's view of mankind gives us great dignity, privilege, responsibility. It's a very different view from the world's view of mankind. And before I go further into just what it means to be created in the image of God, I want us to look first at How the world views man. How are we used to being viewed? 
The world views mankind in many different ways, but they're all wrong. Oftentimes, the world sees mankind as machines. We're a machine. And how do you measure? You, you determine if a machine is a good or a bad one by how much it can accomplish, how much it can produce, right? So if you and I are machines, then we are also measured by what we can accomplish. The more you accomplish, the better machine you are, and the more highly the world views you. But machines aren't just measured by their productivity. They're also measured by their appearance. Think about a car. Some of you would much rather have a high-performance car. You don't care what it looks like. You care about performance. Others of you, you don't care so much about what's under the hood. You care very much about what the car looks like. You care about its performance. For you, a good-looking car is better than a bad-looking car. So while for some people, achievement is the highest goal, for other people, looking good is the highest goal. And so both of these play out into where people look for their fulfillment. We hang our diplomas on our walls, and we find our purpose in a good career. We want to look our best. We want our kids to look our best, because our view of humanity is that we're a bunch of machines running around, and we want others to look at us and say, wow, what a high-performing and good-looking machine that is. I wish I could be like that. The world also looks at mankind as animals. We're animals. We're really no different than the rest of the living beings, other than the fact that we have a higher intelligence. Some of you. Did you know in 2005, the London Zoo actually had an exhibit on Homo sapiens? Human beings didn't just go to the zoo, they were a part of the zoo. Because if you're nothing more than an animal, then why not put us where animals belong? And as animals, we're no longer expected to follow any sort of moral code, because follow a moral code. They simply follow their urges and instincts. If you're hungry, eat. If you're tired, sleep. If you're angry, fight. If you're feeling frisky, mate. If it feels good, do it, because if you and I are nothing more than animals, do what feels good. No morals, just mores, because mores can be changed to better suit the pack that you're running with. We're animals, according to the world. The world also sees mankind as gods. We're a bunch of little gods running around. Because if there is no real God, then you and I are now the highest form of life, which makes us by default gods. And if we're gods, then it's our job to keep the world spinning. It's our job to keep the sky from falling, which is why things that ought to fall under the category of stewardship, instead they become religion. Save the planet. Recycle. Make your straws out of recycled toilet paper and make your toilet paper out of recycled straws and make your cigarettes out of recreational marijuana. Because if you are a god, you not only bear the burden of saving the planet, you also bear the privilege of defining what is right for you. Truth and morals are no longer absolute. They become relative to each and every god who wanders this earth in a pair of Levi's. 
It's funny to me that the world sees mankind as gods because the world also sees man as a helpless victim. We're victims. And you know what every victim has in common? They did not choose their lot in life. Whatever it was that made them a victim, it was forced upon them. And so as victims... We are merely pawns in the universe. Which anything, we can't control the asteroid that's heading toward the earth, and so instead we fear it. And we resign ourselves to being helpless and insignificant. The world's view of mankind is 180 degrees out from God's view of mankind, from the Bible's view of mankind. The world tells us we're machines, better uh, measured by what we do. God tells us we're his children, measured by who we are. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, the book of 1 John tells us. The world tells us we're animals, seeking our own pleasure and acting upon our own instincts. God tells us we were created not for our own glory, but for his glory. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The world tells us we're God's, the highest form of life that exists. And God tells us that he alone is God, the highest form of life that exists. And therefore, he alone defines truth. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God, the book of Isaiah tells us. It goes on, same chapter, to say, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. The world tells us we're victims, helpless, insignificant. God tells us we are of great value. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows, Christ said in the book of Matthew. And the reason that we are not merely machines or animals or gods or victims is because of this truth of Imago Dei. Because we are made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, God said in Genesis 1. You and I were not an accident. We were not some great coincidence. We were created in God's image. David praised God over this in Psalm 139. He said, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So what does it mean to be created in God's image? To be fearfully and wonderfully made. You ever think about that? I mean, when a child is conceived, it's created in the image of its parents. It takes on certain traits that others can see and say, oh, this child has its mother's eyes or has his father's smile. So being created in the image of God, does that mean that people can look at us and say, you look just like your heavenly father? No. For a couple of reasons. One, we are not divine. We are human. 
And two, not only are we human, we are fallen. We are not perfect and holy like our Heavenly Father is. Then what does the Bible mean if people can't look at us and say, you look just like your Heavenly Father, then what does the Bible mean when it tells us we are created in the image of God? How are we created in the image of God? First, we're created in the image of God morally. Morally. God has given us a conscience, an inner sense of right and wrong. Paul, in the book of Romans, wrote about those who have never even heard of God, saying that God's law is written even on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, he says, and their conflicting thoughts them or excuse them. In other words, God has given every human being a moral compass, which sets us apart from other living things. It makes us morally accountable before God. You know, animals have at best a minimal sense of right and wrong. They act out of instinct. They respond to a stimuli, either a fear of punishment or a hope of reward. We don't act out of instinct. We act out of a moral code that God has placed inside every one of us. Second, we're created in the image of God spiritually. We have more than just physical bodies. We have a soul which, like God, will exist for all eternity, either in his presence or apart from his presence. We may try to avoid it, but even the person who denies all things spiritual occasionally finds himself wondering, what happens after this earthly life is over? Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes said, God has put eternity into man's heart. Not even the staunchest atheist can ignore it. Being created in the image of God's spirit gives us the ability to pray to him, to seek him, to praise him. No animal on the planet will do that. They will not seek God. My dog will never spend one minute on her knees in prayer, interceding on behalf of another doggy. Because my dog was not created in the image of God. But you and I were. Which is what it makes us aware of the spiritual side of life. Third, we were created in the image of God mentally. Mentally, we have the ability to think logically and to reason. Animals animals can do amazing things. They can be trained to do all sorts of things. Our dog will heal right beside us when we walk. She will roll over. She will shake. We have her trained not to go potty inside until we get home and then she gets all excited and pees on the floor. But you know what my dog will never do? She will never sit at her desk and write a history of canine civilization. Because she wasn't made in the image of God, you and I were. Because we're made in the image of God, mentally, we're also creative, reflecting our creator. Making 
designing, inventing, composing, playing. The book of Proverbs says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. It doesn't say, do you see a kitty cat skillful in his work? Because a kitty cat will never ever compose a symphony or design the next skyscraper. Only mankind has the mental capability that comes with being created in the image of God. Fourth, we are created in the image of God relationally. Mankind can relate to one another in a manner that is much more complex than the animals. We communicate using an ornate language. Animals can't do that. Animals, they communicate with grunts and sniffing each other. The marriage relationship between a man and a woman is a picture of God's relationship within his very self in the Trinity. Men and women equal in every way in the eyes of God, yet serving different roles. Just as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are equally one and the same God, yet serving different roles. Being given a greater ability to relate, it also gives us a greater purpose to love one another. Knowing that it's not just me who's created in the image of God, it's you who are created in the image of God. Jesus in the book of John, just prior to his crucifixion, he told his followers, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another because we're created in the image of God relationally. Even in our relationships with with the rest of creation, we are in God's image in that we have been given dominion over all of God's other creatures. God said, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The fifth way that we're created in the image of God is physically. The Bible is clear that God is spirit. But yet our physical bodies nevertheless reflect God's image. We see with our eyes, just as God sees far more than we will ever see. We hear with our ears, just as God hears. We speak with our mouths, just as God speaks. We taste, we touch, we smell, giving us a greater ability to enjoy God's creation. And even though the animals have these same senses... Only the physical shape and characteristics of humans is so like God that we are said to be made in the image of God. This is why when you take the life of an animal, you get dinner. But when you take the life of another human being, you get life in prison. Because to kill a physical body, it's to destroy that which was made in God's image. God told Noah, as soon as he stepped off the ark in Genesis 9, he said, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Physically. Imago Dei. Morally. 
spiritually, mentally, relationally, physically. You and I were created in the very image of God. That's the Bible's view of mankind. Very different from the world's view of mankind. When the God of the universe decided something in his image, something more like himself than anything else in all of creation, he made you and me. We were created with intricate and intimate care. That gives the human race great significance. In all God's creation, the billions of galaxies, the lush green earth, the majestic mountains, the millions of species, even the angels in heaven, you and I are more like the creator than any of these. Only mankind was made in the image of God. Imago Dei. How does this affect the way you view yourself? How does this affect the way you view others? You were made in the image of God. Your children were made in the image of God. Your spouse was made in the image of God. Your roommate was made in the image of God. Your friends were made in the image of God. Your enemies made in the image of God. Your teachers were made in the image of God. Your boss was made in the image of God. The unborn child killed in the womb was made in the image of God. The doctor who performed that abortion was made in the image of God. The healthy were made in the image of God. The sick, disabled, were made in the image of God. Women were made in the image of God. Men were made in the image of God. Blacks were made in the image of God. Whites made in the image of God. Police were made in the image of God. Protesters were made in the image of God. Democrats were made in the image of God. Republicans were made in the image of God. The Apostle Paul was made in the image of God. The Emperor Nero, who killed the Apostle Paul, was made in the image of God. Every human being to ever live was made in the image of God. How does this doctrine of Imago Dei, how does this affect the way you view yourself? How does it affect the way you view others? I could end this sermon right here, and one, we would be on time. And two, we could all walk away feeling pretty good about ourselves and feel maybe to love our, our fellow man a little better. And if I did, this would be the worst sermon I ever preached because it would be devoid of the gospel. 
You see, the fact is, it is hard to see ourselves as made in the image of God. And it's even harder to see other people as made in the image of God. Why? Why is it so difficult to see ourselves and to see others in that way? Because the image of God has been tarnished in each and every one of us. Next slide, thank you. Our sin has taken Imago Day and we've turned it into Imago Dirty. It doesn't mean we're not still created in the image of God, it means that sin has made every one of us dirty. We have all become like one who is unclean, Isaiah wrote. And even our righteous deeds, even our best, is dirty like a polluted garment. Every one of us made in the image of God has become dirty with sin. You know who the ultimate image bearer of God is? Jesus. The book of Hebrews tells us he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And so this whole doctrine of Imago Dei shouldn't draw you and me to feel better about ourselves. It should draw you and me to think more highly of our Savior. Because Jesus is the ultimate image bearer of God. Perfect, untarnished, not dirty. Because Jesus Christ wasn't created in God's image. Jesus Christ is the God who created us in his image. And yet because of our sin, because we have tarnished the image in us, Jesus stepped off of his throne to take on our image. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God took on the image of man to die for us, to redeem us, to give us eternal life, to restore us fully into his image. And so those of us who are in Christ, we have this promise that Paul gave to the Corinthian church. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. John continued this theme. He said, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Amago Dei. So before you and I can even attempt to see the image of God in ourselves or the image of God in others, we must first see the image of God in our Savior because it's only through Jesus Christ that we can look in the mirror and confidently say, I was made in the image of God. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we can look at our friends and even our enemies and say, they were made of God. Do you know this, this image of God? Do you know Jesus Christ in your own personal life? The one who created you, Imago Dei. If you don't know Jesus, come see me after the sermon. Because it's time for you to meet the one who created you. In his image. Let's pray.
what love the Father has given that we should be called the children of God. And we did it only through your Son, dear Father, who took upon our image after creating us already in his image so that he could restore us fully into his image. Thank you, dear Jesus, that you are the perfect, ultimate image bearer of God, that you are God. Thank you that you made us with such significance, purpose, love, care. Thank you that you died for us to restore our tarnished image, that you actually view us as the image of you yourself. Is miraculous, done through your blood on the cross that washes us, turns us back into Imago Dei. Father, I pray for those who do not yet know you as Savior. I ask that you would draw them to you, Father. May they see their need, that they, as image bearers of you, are nevertheless dirty, and only you can clean, only you can wash away our sins and forgive and restore through your Son. Father, in your Son's name, amen.